Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. I left school at 15, nearly 16, went as an apprentice, uh, was able to uh, join a professional club and see first team players who had had pictures on my walls in my bedrooms only 12 months early at school and then uh, 12 months later I'm pulling on the blue shirt, walking down the tunnel, and not going out playing for a U-team or reserve side, but actually going out in front of like 45,000, making my debut against Wolves. So it was quite surreal when you think the 12 months before, the players I had pictures on the walls with, they're turning out, not on a Saturday afternoon, in the local leagues for my, my local side or my school side, but actually turning out as a professional footballer with somebody probably having my picture on their wall. And uh, you uh, you played in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, just what what would it have been like to play in in, in like today's midfield for you? Well, let me. T- one thing I could do was pass the ball. That's a certainty. And with the conditions and the pitches that we that we played on, when you think about the baseball ground, when we were going for the title in seventy seven seventy eight, where it was where they had to bring somebody on to paint the penalty spot, it was ankle deep. And that was the best part of the pitch. Most of it was knee deep. Uh, to play in the pitches they have now, and with the superior. Uh, um, outfit that you can have now from boots to kit that actually makes you breathe while you've got the kit on it is absolutely it would be far easier and for me as a midfield player would absolutely suit me to a, a pitch that you could pass a ball on that is like a bowling green I mean even Wembley was not as good as some of the grounds that, that teams play on week in week out and if you look at our stadium at the, uh, at the Etihad Stadium now our pitch at the end of last season looked like it was the start of a season that's how much uh, technology's come on and, and grounds are looked after now I want to ask you as well um, you're a City fan yeah. uh, you came through the ranks at City um, how did it feel to be uh, told that you had to move on? Well, it, it, it was something that came as a surprise because um, 12 months earlier, you know, we had a fantastic side of between uh, youth and experience, internationals at all levels. We'd finished second in the league. We were in Europe every year. Um, and it came it, it came as a shock, actually. I remember going to Southampton being beaten in an FA Cup tie on a very wet evening. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday evening in a League Cup tie. And we were sat somewhere like about 6th or 7th in the league, which uh, I suppose in years... Many years after that, the club would have been delighted to be in the sixth or seventh position and not fighting against relegation or even being relegated. And the club in the wisdom decided to bring Malcolm back for a second time. And uh, I didn't think it needed to be done at that time because we had Tony Buck, who was the manager, and we had Bill Taylor, who was the England coach, who I felt were doing both an excellent job. When Malcolm came back, he had, you know, the team was, was decimated and experienced players was allowed to move on for, in my opinion, little money and inferior players were brought in for exorbitant money and uh, I think it was a lot to do with the downfall for the next 30 years the club couldn't recover financially and only until the new owners and, and uh, Shinawatra previous who started it will we be able to turn the corner How much of an impact do you think that had on, on City's recent history then? 
it had a massive uh, three decades uh, we didn't recover and you've only got to see where the team went I mean you know when Joe Royal who was our manager says and I was actually at the game the lowest point in our history was when we was at Wrexham on a Boxing Day game where we beat them I think it was 2-1 then went on that run that allowed us to get into a playoff final and, and uh, as you would say the rest is history but our history really Yes, that started to bring us back to, to where we should have been, but we was always a yo-yo team because we couldn't compete with the, with clubs like Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool's, Chelsea's, who were able to buy one player, which in our in that time was probably our budget for the whole season, and they could buy one player with that with with so so it was it was an unfair playing field, but now some people have said that we're playing on play uh, on favourable playing field because we've now got the money but you know it's our turn it's our turn in history to be able to, to have our day in the sun and uh, as back as yourself as a footballer um, you had uh, under 21 caps mm-hmm. with England uh, B caps with England we never yeah. quite got the uh, the senior cap yeah I played um, I played one game for the England versus Scotland and they classed it as a, um, a representative game it was actually the Queen's Jubilee game at Wembley it should have been um, an England international they changed it into Jubilee which became a representative game again at the time, and I don't think it's changed much since, but it was definitely prominent in the in the eighties. Is that whichever team was doing well, most of that team got into the England side. And a proof in the pudding is when Everton was doing well in eighty five, eighty six. I think Everton had something like five players in the team in the England squad and team. When Liverpool were doing well, I think one time England had seven Liverpool players in the England side. Graham Ricks, who had played youth level with me under 21's B side never got into the team because you know I captained it and played on a regular basis but because Arsenal were fighting at the top end of the league and were going in Europe and West Brom who I'd gone to with Big Ron were fighting at the wrong end of the table you do get overlooked and, and it's no coincidence that even these days Ashley Young moves from Manchester United to Manchester United to Aston Villa Smalling who was playing non-league two years ago cleverly who's played two games maybe all in the England squad because if you're playing with the top side you get noticed and you're promoted and it was more prominent in the late 70s and 80s and 90s and it's still prominent now Now uh, what do you make of uh, the current City team in particular I mean uh, David Silver is uh, one that a lot of people have asked me to ask you about He's um, a magician What do you think he can do? He's, he can do anything he wants with that football He finds space For somebody who's not the biggest player is deceptively strong He's got a pass that no, he's, the, he's the most creative player in the Premier League, bar none. If Modric is worth forty million, Silver's worth eighty million. He's an absolute joy to watch. He can see players and is a catalyst for everything we do. Carlos Tevez is up front. He's the one that that gets everything going. Everybody revolves around him. But David Silver, you never see him have a bad game, which is, which is. Um, which is strange to say for a midfield player that sometimes can be can be kicked out of a game or marked closely, but I think by having the luxury of having the sort of players we have at that football club now is that if you take too much time on silver, then uh, Nazar's going to get you. If Nazar don't get you, then Tevez is going to get you. If Tevez don't get you, then Aguero's going to get you. Or Yaya. So we have got a very strong side now, so it's given him the luxury to be able to they can't keep behind everybody. And you've uh, you've been doing uh, work in the media after you've mm-hmm. uh, finished uh, football. Um, how do you think City are represented in the media? Uh, not well. I think um, uh, I would probably. I tried to give. I tried to give an unbiased 
opinion of how the team does, but it's very difficult when you're, you're looking through blue t- tinted spectacles, of course. But I do. If the team plays badly, I'm the first to say it. If players play badly, I'm the first to say it. It happens, you know. It, you know just because I played football, it doesn't mean that my eyes are any better. And, and they're not in some cases, certainly not close up, but certainly fans can see exactly what I can see. They've seen as many football games and more than I've seen. They've all played the game. Just because they've not played the highest level doesn't mean they don't know who's a good player, who can't pass it, who's had a bad game. So for me to try and protect a team or protect players who everybody can see have not done well would be remiss of me to do it, and I don't do it. But thankfully these days that doesn't happen very often because you know we've won the last seven games of the season in the league on the bounce and we've won the first three. So ten games on the trot, it's been easy work for me. And uh, just finally, um, a good source tells me that uh, you've got quite a good Rod Stewart impression. Not impression. I am Rod Stewart. But it's normally after 10 o'clock at night and normally alcohol's involved. But to be fair, I can sing. There's no two ways about it. And that's coming from me. And, you know, that's not blowing me on trumpet. But if nobody's going to blow me trumpet, I will do it. I can sing. Don't worry about that. And Rod Stewart, some people have been known to say, is Rod Stewart in the room? (laughs) 